Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. We're going to be in Acts 2 today, and I got one thing that I want to do before we get into our text today, Um, and that I just want to pray over students here in our congregation. I want to pray over um, those. I know a lot of our students aren't here. They got caught up in the traffic and taking transit, so they're not here, so we're we're going to shoot up a prayer for some of those college students and folks of that nature, but I do, if our kids, if you're in this space, I think you're all in the back. Um, Those that are are here, can y'all come up in the front and just join me right here? I just want to pray over them. Um, If you're a parent or even just anybody in the congregation, I just want y'all to extend hands over them because the reality is, is that they're the next generation of leaders in our, in our society. And there's a lot of our kids that are not here. And so they're online right now. You can keep them in the room. We want to pray over them too. Um, If you're a student of any sort, would you just stand up? It's come on up here. No, not on the stage, right up in the front. If you're a student, that means PhD student, master of school, anybody, I just want y'all to stand up. I want to recognize you. I want to pray for you too. Um, I really believe this, uh, that as the church, this isn't, uh, we're not just the church where we come together and we hear the word preached and we hear worship and things of that nature. No, but we're a church and we're community, which means we come around one another. And so we're in school. We want to pray for you. We want to be with you. We want to make sure that you're, first, you're equipped, but you're also encouraged and challenged by your local fellowship. Come on up here, mama. Come on up here. And so this is what I want to do. I just want to pray over you all. Thank you for your investment and continuing on in your, uh, in some of your faces right now where you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I don't want to work anymore, Pastor D. I'm done. I see you back there. Just like, I, I don't want to study anymore. I want you to keep going. Keep going. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And that's what we're here for, too, to encourage you. And so let's do this. If you're sitting, sitting down, you know that school journey. You, some of us have been there before. We're in it right now. I just want you to extend a hand over our kids and the students here in our congregation so we can just pray over them. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for just who you are, Lord Jesus. Thank you for calling us according to your purpose. Lord, I do just ask that you would have your hand over our kids, our students our master's degree students, our college students, our PhD students, Lord. God, that they would just continue to go on, that they would keep their hands to the plow and know that you've called them to something good, that they would uh, further on in their education and work heartily unto the Lord. God, that we would be a church that can come around them and hold them in a time of need, send them a meal in a time of need, encourage them and challenge them, that we would be the church that you've called us to be and not just a space where we come and worship, God, but we will be the church outside these four walls. God, I also pray for the teachers and people that are educators right now, God, as we're in a season of uh, unmarked territory, a place where we're learning to learn online and we're we're learning in, in spaced out classrooms. God, I just pray that we would all have endurance and that you would cover us and keep us away from hurt and harm, temptation, and let us further Uh, Just keep our eyes on you, Lord Jesus. Be with each and every student in this congregation. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said amen. Amen. Love y'all. Thanks, kids. Y'all can go on back and go downstairs. Thank you.
Don't, this let, don't let this be the last time that you pray for our students, okay? You know, put a, put a, a, ta- something, a tab on the refrigerator or something and just, just remember to pray for students here um, in our congregation and throughout the city. People that are studying all over in the midst of a, of a pandemic and a lot of them just started. So we want to lift them up and make sure they have an awesome year. Amen. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2, so if you've got a Bible, go ahead and meet me in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Today, again, it marks uh, week two of our vision series. And in this vision series, like I said last week, not going to so much preach a sermon like we would do week in and week out. I, I will preach a little bit today, but I really want to key in on this vision that we have here as a church, this vision of renewing and rebuilding and releasing people through the work of Jesus Christ. We literally want to see this city better because Renewal Church of Chicago is here. Amen? And so that means that we got to talk about our vision. So we do this a couple times a year where we look at the vision of who God has called us to be. and, And we do this because, as I told you last week, vision leaks which means that we forget vision. We, we, we go back to other things and we engage in different things that are, are not the vision that God has given us individually or corporately as a church. So we got to remember the vision God has called us to individually as believers, but we also need the, the vision of the corporate church, the local body that we're a part of. So we're going to look at that today and we're specifically going to key in on Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 42. If you got to go ahead and stand to your feet now as we read the word of God together. If you got it, go ahead and say, got it. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Here now, the reading of God's word. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Let's read it again together. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking. Oops, to the friend. Y'all read it. I can't. The prayer. Acts 2.42. Very words of God. Amen. Today I want to preach on the topic of re-engagement. Re-engagement. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word, God. I pray that you would be lifted up, that it wouldn't be me speaking, but it'd be you going before us. God, have your way in this place and let us hear from you. Hide me behind your cross. Be lifted up in our midst. In Christ's name, we all said together. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Somebody get those lights, please. Well, last week I told you, as I was praying throughout the summer and as I was thinking about what God would have me say to our church and just just vision here, there were three words that continually came to mind. And those three words that continually came to my mind were rest, realignment, and re-engagement. Rest, realignment, and re-engagement. We, we talked about rest a bit when we ventured through the book of Hebrews. See, Hebrews is all about the supremacy of Jesus. That's why we named the series Jesus Reigns Supreme. Hebrews 13 talks about that Jesus was the same God 
yesterday. He's the same God today. He's the same God forever, which means, according to John 1, if everything was created through Jesus, that means that us being breath being blown into us and formed and shaped out of the dust of the ground, the same Jesus has also spoke light and life into existence and hung stars in the sky to which he knows the name of every star. If this is true, hear me, that same Jesus 2,000 years ago as we celebrate where he hung on the cross for us, hear me, if this is true, that means that we can rest. That means that as believers, we can rest in the sovereignty of Jesus because of all that he's done. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore, so we can rest. But not only is it good to rest in who he is, but we also need to realign. And we talked about that last week as we looked at the story of what God has done in our midst. And we, we looked at the story and we walked through this in this vision to understand more vividly who God has called us to be as a church. But here, here's the reality. I hope that it also encouraged you too to look more at your own story. The story that God has given you and encouraged you to go back and say, well, what's the vision you've given me for my life, God, versus what I want to do or what I think I should be doing? There's a big difference there. See, alignment to the word of God and who he calls us to be is very important. So we not only do what he said to do, but also so that we give out the right message to a waiting and watching world. In other words, we don't want to send the wrong messages to the world. We, we, we want to give them the right message. We have the message of hope, the, the message of the gospel and what Jesus has done on our behalf. And we do this. We share this by glorifying God in our lives individually, but also corporately amongst one another. So we, we need to align with the vision that he's given us. We also got to align with the story. We need to do this in order so we can move forward, not only as individuals, but together as a church. Lastly, the church, though, hear me, doesn't just need to learn how to rest in the sovereignty of God. We don't need to just realign with the vision of the story, but we need to be able to re-engage. We need to re-engage because here's the reality. If we're honest this morning, many of us, if not all of us, y'all, we've been engaged in all kinds of stuff in our lives over the last year. All type of noise that's been coming at us, the clamoring of different news feeds and social media and, 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 and people talking to you, telling you you need to believe this, that, and the third, whether you need to be vaccinated or not, or whether you need to wear a mask or not. All of these different things that have been coming at us, all these things that we have a belief on one way or another, and we'll fight and argue over this because we're engaged in the wrong things. We need to be engaged. We need to re-engage. The reality is we're present in all of this stuff, but if somebody asked you what are you really engaged in or what are you totally committed to because of all the noise and all the things that are going on in life right now, you probably really couldn't say, this is what I'm committed to. Because you're committed to a whole bunch of stuff right now, which means that you're really not committed to anything. And simply put, it's kind of like, like you sitting in the living room and your kids, all my parents know, that, know about this, your, your kids are running around in the living room, they're doing all these things, and they're trying to get your attention, Jay. They, they're running around, Luke, and they're trying to get your attention, and they're doing all of these things, and you're, you're, you're literally sitting in the living room, and you're, you're engulfed in your TV show. You, you, you're, you're at home about to watch that Bears game that you, you are recorded. 
And your kids are running around. Daddy, mommy. See, here's the reality. You're present, but you're not engaged. Y'all missing this thing. You're present, but you're not engaged. Here's the thing. Let me, let me walk into your, your, your life a little bit more closer. Here's the reality. Some of us are outside of these walls and even in church saying we're a Christian. We're present in this world as a Christian, but we're really not engaged in living an active Christian lifestyle. Okay, let me, let me come a little closer. Some of us are in church today. We're present in church but we're not actively engaged in the work of the ministry. We're not giving. We're not serving. Groups just opened up, and we're, we haven't signed up, Pastor Steve. We're, we're not a part of a group. Hear me. We're present, but we're not engaged. Engagement in this season is very important because there's so many things that are coming at you and asking for your time, your talent, and treasure. And it's so easy to invest in the wrong things in this season. We need to re-engage, family. Today, I want to talk about engagement quickly, and I want to look at Acts 2.42, and then I'm going to bring up Steve, because we're going to talk about this a little more practically. Y'all know Steve's one of the teaching pastors here, but he's also over discipleship and community in our church. So I want to talk about this a little bit more practically. What does it mean to re-engage as a church? As we get into Acts chapter 2, verse 42, the the immediate context around this, it's a passage where Jesus has just ascended to heaven. He he has been with the disciples 40 days after his resurrection, and now he's ascended to heaven. Before he does that, he gives them the tall order of going out to make disciples of all nations and, and take the message to the end of the world, and, and, and he ascends to heaven. And then my man Peter, I love it, Peter, the one who, who denied Jesus three times, he steps up, and my man gives one of the most prolific sermons of all time. And, and believe me, it, it's not all hunky-dory. He, he proclaims Christ crucified, and he talks about him rising from the dead and guess what 3,000 people get saved and baptized after this sermon you talk about a revival this is it right here Peter preaches this sermon people get baptized and it says in verse 42 that all of these people devoted themselves to the apostles teaching to the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayer hear me family growing as a Christian involves devotion to the apostles' teaching, four things, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayer. So what I want to do again is I want to quickly, I want to give you a picture. I want to give you a picture of what it looks like to practice these four things as disciples or followers of Jesus so that we're able to be the church that God has called us to be. This word devotion here in the text, everyone say devotion. The word devotion here in this text means to intentionally obscure self-designation. Intentionally obscure self-designation. So in other words, these folks in the text are saying, my life is no longer about me, but it's about you, God. It's about serving you. Another way to say it is that I'm going to love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and my strength, and I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. That's what these people are saying. It ain't about me anymore. It's about you, God. 
Verse 42 begins by saying that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which is really what, what's going on here is that the leaders are teaching uh, about the teachings of Jesus. So the 33 years he was here on this earth, all that he did, and then they also are teaching about the 40 days after he rose. So he said, we're going to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching. These leaders are teaching them about Jesus, and the people listened. Y'all hear me? They wanted to be disciples. They wanted to be poured into. They listened to their leaders and they trusted them because they wanted to know Jesus more. These men and women were hungry. They were fat. I ain't talking about weight here. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. They were faithful, available, and teachable. These are fat people, faithful, available, and teachable. They were devoted. They were ready to listen. They wanted to be taught, and they wanted to learn from these apostles, their leaders. Now, hear me. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not a modern-day apostle or anything like that. I don't claim to be that, but, but I will say this. God has called me to lead this church. He's called me as a lead pastor here at this church. And, and again, that doesn't make me better than anybody, or I'm not an apostle and this and that, but he's called me to lead the church, which means that there's a vision for this church when we planted this that he gave to me to say, we want to see hearts renewed, rebuilt, and released. But I'm going to say something to you that, that I hopefully doesn't ruffle your feathers too much. I need you to hear me. I'm going to preface it with this. This, what I'm about to say is for your good. It's because I love you and I care way more about you as an individual running after Jesus than I do you being a part of this church. Because it's not about this church, it's about your personal growth. So here's the reality. If you're here, and maybe you've been here and you've been checking us out for some months, maybe even years, but you're struggling with following leadership. I don't know if, I, if I'm really ready to follow Pastor D and leadership and the vision for the church. Or maybe it's, you know, I, we preach Jesus here at the church, but maybe it's like, I don't know, Pastor D or Pastor Steve and Luke and Ramon, when they get up there and preach. I just ain't feeling it. I, I just don't know if this is the place for me. Hear me, hear me, and hear this from a, different, a good place. I, this is because I care for you. Let me free you. This may not be the church for you. A lot of pastors won't say that. I'm going to say that because I really care about your growth, not the growth of this church and filling up every seat here on a Sunday morning. That's not what it's about. I want to see you grow as the disciple or the mature Christian that God wants you to be. And that may not be at this space. I want us to grow both feet in on the ship saying, let's go. Let's see what God can do through us being devoted as a church. Here, here's the reality. Look, look, look. We can't move forward if, if one foot is on the dock and one foot is on the boat. Because what happens is when the boat tries to take off, what's going to happen? A whole bunch of people are left in the water. Some of y'all missed it. Y'all looking at me like, what is he talking about? You can't drive a boat if somebody's foot is on the dock and one is, is in the boat because they're going to fall into the water. The reality is we need both feet in the boat saying, I'm here, I'm ready, I'm ready to go forward. I believe in the vision. I'm trusting the leadership. Let's see this church go forward. And here's the reality. Here's the other side. When you jump in the boat, this ain't no cruise ship. It's not. When you read the Bible, I'm not even just talking about Renewal Church, the biblical Big C Church. When you see the church, y'all, they wasn't on no cruise ship. It's more like a battleship. 
They put their hands to the plow and like, what, what we need to do? I need to sell my house. Cool. For the ministry, let's make this happen. We need to give to the poor. Cool. Let's see, let's see this happen. We need to do all these things for God's glory and the kingdom to advance. We good. Let's go. Sign me up. And what happened? The church grows by thousands. That's why we're here today. Thank you for the golf clap. See, the question we got to ask ourselves is, are we fat people? I know we live in this society where it's all about me and what I think. Are we faithful, available, and teachable? Can we follow leadership? And, and here's the reality. You may not be in that place, and this may not be the church for you. I, 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 I told the first service, I lead a whole other organization, organization where we plant and we pastor and we, we train up pastors to plant in the city and start churches and take over churches. I want to help you find the congregation that you can plug into and you can give your life to it. You can serve. You can give. Do all of those things to the glory of God. And by God's grace, if, if at this place where, where we're saying we're, we're trying to make Jesus famous, not each of us individually, then let's plug in, let's lock in, let's lock arms, and let's put our hands to the plow and imagine what God could do. <laughs> these folks were fat, and they trusted their leadership. Second thing we see here is that these new believers, I got to keep moving. I, y'all got me preaching too hard up in here. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. Y'all keep clapping, talk to me. We'll go faster. Now, this word fellowship, say fellowship. Fellowship in the Greek is pronounced koinonia, which means commonship. It, it means that they're sharing in all that they have. It's, it's the reason that if you look back and you study the early church, there was no person that was poor that didn't have a need that was met because they shared in what they have. They gave of what they had. They shared the same spirit with one another. Now, the thing about this is very interesting to me because I, I look at this, and when you study the people, they're from many different backgrounds. They speak different languages. They come from different places, but yet they're still able to come together around one common person, Jesus. This is interesting. The first gathering, hear me, the first church that's formed after Jesus ascends to heaven is a multi-ethnic, multicultural, disciple-making church. Yes, it is. <laughs> so I, I think, I, I just think that there's a biblical precedent here for multi-ethnic, disciple-making, multicultural churches. But the question is, why don't we see this in all of churches? Now, hear me, we can go down an array of different reasons, uh, sociological perspectives of how we break this down, but... There's so many different. The one reason I'm going to give you, though, is that somewhere along the line, our Christian motivation became more about me instead of Jesus. It's about what I want instead of what Jesus is wanting. Became about me instead of keeping him at the center. See, it goes back to this understanding of what devotion truly means. It's this obscuring, it's intentionally obscuring of self-designation. But what happens is that somewhere along the line, our American ideals start to usurp our Christian identity. And then what happens as an outcome is that it becomes more about what can I receive versus what can I contribute? What can you give me versus what can I give? We say things like, man, I don't like the worship at that church. 
They don't sing enough gospel music. I need to hear my Fred Hammond up in this place. They don't sing enough contemporary Christian Chris Tomlin and all that. I just need hymns. I just want Bible and all of these things. It's just not what I want in the church. And we, we, we put an X over that church. Or then we say things like this, Pastor Steve. Man, it's, it's just too big or it's too small. Or, oh, man, man that church, they, they don't have people in there that, that look like me. And see, what's happening is that it's becoming about me, 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 instead of keeping Jesus at the center. Now, hear me. I'm not I'm not against preferences. We all got preferences. We're human beings. But your preference should never outweigh your will and want to worship Jesus. The people in this text. They were able to fellowship with one another. Different people from different cultures, different backgrounds, because they kept Jesus at the center. And don't hear me saying that these people, y'all, that they, 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 they didn't have their own desires and this and that, but they were able to keep those things to the side. They were people just like you and I. They had desires, but they didn't let that get in the way of keeping Jesus in the center. Ask yourself, hear me, what is it that holds us together. When you look at the fellowship around you, the community around you, what is it that's holding you to that fellowship? Is it the color of your skin? Is it the amount of money that everybody makes in the congregation? Is it your preference? What is it? What is it that ties you to the people you're, you're in fellowship with? Is Jesus at the center. What motivates you to fellowship? These people devoted themselves to the fellowship, true fellowship. No matter what their background was, their preference, and the church took off. Are we that devoted to fellowship? Check our preferences at the door. Here I am, Jesus. Third thing that these new believers devote themselves to is the breaking of bread. Now, the breaking of bread here, it can be broken down into two ideas. This is, this is the Lord's Supper, number one, where we partake in as a body here at the church every week. We take communion with one another as a body, and, and we do this in remembrance of Jesus and what he did on the cross, where he was battered and bruised for our sakes, where he takes that cross and he hikes up that hill and he hangs on the cross with the nails in each one of his hands and the nails in his feet. He dies the death that we were supposed to die. He would take sin and death to the grave. But as the old folks say early one Sunday morning, he would get up with power in his hands. Defeating sin and death, leaving it there once and for all for our sake. So if we believe we now can have eternal life. Life to the full in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so we, every Sunday, we come together and we celebrate communion, not as a formality, but out of obedience to Jesus and remembering what he did on that cross. We do it as a community on purpose, too. 
Because he did that with the body of the people that were around him, his disciples that were closest to him, that fellowship, that family. And they took communion and they remembered Jesus together in that moment. It sets a precedent for us to do it. We do this out of obedience to bring us back to the place with all of the things going on in society to say, we remember what you did for us, Jesus. We remember. But secondly, this breaking bread here, it's... It's one that's made much less important here in our culture, this culture of me, where it's all about me and what I believe, because it, it, it really it, it hits on allowing us allowing people into that personal space of literally breaking bread with one another. This is, this is talking about us breaking bread and eating meals in each other's houses, in our homes, in larger gatherings outside of Sunday morning. This is the breaking of bread that text is talking about right here. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you. Did you know that God is glorified when you break bread with other people? When you open up your homes, when you go out to eat with people that you don't normally do? Don't you, did, you, did you know that God is glorified in that? It, simple question we got to ask is, are we doing it? Are we opening up our houses and eating with one another? Many of you guys did this with group in the last week. Are we doing this outside of us telling you to do it or asking you to do it? Are you willingly doing this? And I know y'all like, Pastor D, it's a pandemic. I ain't trying to let all these people live in my house. But here's the reality. Almost every restaurant that you like going to has an outdoor space. Right? Y'all didn't like that, right? I stepped all up into your kitchen. I want to go out to eat with who I like to eat with. Here's the reality. It, it takes more intentionality now. It does. Inviting people into that personal space, it takes a level of intentionality that we don't like to do. But this is how, how God is glorified when we break bread with one another. This is why we do renewal summers. This is why we do larger gatherings with people. This is why we, we exemplify and eat with one another and have game nights because God is glorified when we do this and we see it right here in the text. Friends, hear me. I, I've said this before, but lives are changed at dinner tables. It's not just happening on a Sunday morning where you hear a good sermon or you hear some good worship and your life feel you, you're changed. That's one day out of the seven-day week. Lives are changed at dinner tables when you sit across from somebody and you hear a story that impacts your life. And then you're, in, you're able to impart wisdom and, and be an example of, of God's love in your life. That, that, that's my story. I've told y'all that this before. My life was changed sitting at C.J. Neal's dinner table night after night and watching him love on his family. That happened for Steve and my wife Kayla at the same dinner table where we're impacted to the place where now we open up our houses and we can do the same thing with people as they sit at the dinner table with us and see us love on our kids and love on our spouses. They get the same witness now because of what happened to us. Lives are changed at dinner tables. We just got to answer the question of, are we doing this? Better yet, answer this question. What does your dinner table look like? And what I mean is, are you eating with the same people every week? Are you intentionally letting people into that space? Are you going out to eat with other people that you don't normally do so with? Are you breaking bread? Renewal, this is the desire of Christians. This is what we see in the church where we're devoted to, to, to breaking bread with other people and letting them into that space. We got to answer the question, though, are we really doing it? 
Last thing we see in this text, these new believers, they devoted themselves to prayer. I'm going to keep moving so we can get through this. He, he, the, the prayer revolved around meeting in houses. It, it, it revolved around meeting in temples. They, they prayed to God. They, they begged God to move on their behalf. Hey, could, could you imagine this for a moment? I, I just need to pause and think about this because we skirt over this like, oh, they just prayed. It's 3,000 plus people here. And it says they devoted themselves to prayer. Not even what they're praying about, but could you imagine seeing 3,000 people praying all over the place? They prayed and devoted themselves to it, and they turned the world upside down for Jesus. This is what we see in the church, and what, right after this sentence, many wondrous acts or things happen, miracles start happening because of the prayer that, 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 that they're giving, that they're, they're devoting themselves to praying to Jesus. Y'all hear me, true devoted disciples, true devoted followers of Jesus are known for being prayerful. But hear me, prayer, it doesn't mean you got to be all decked out in your prayers, eloquent. No, you don't. It's it's simply just going to Jesus and talking to him. You don't believe me, y'all go read the book of Psalms. Just read through Psalms. You, you, you read about David who said to have a, a heart after God. And y'all, sometimes I'm looking at David and stuff he's writing. And I'm like, you, you, are you okay? <laughs> I mean, he'll, he'll start off like, I love you, Lord. And yeah, I, I will sit by a stream and I, I pant for the Lord is my shepherd, all this stuff. And then the next verse, kill him, Lord. And then he goes back to, I love you, Lord. I'm like, what? is this okay? Need some counseling, David. I mean, something is wrong there. But it also lets me know that if this same man has a heart after God and he can talk to God this way, then I can come to God however I need to, when I need to, how I want to. So if I need to cry and talk to God, I can cry and talk to God. If I need to yell and talk to God, I can yell and talk to God. If I want to come all GQ and eloquent in my prayer, I can do that too. God, it doesn't matter. God, as a loving father, just wants you to come to him. He just wants you to come to him. Pray. Friends, are we known as a person who prays? Are we devoted to prayer? The folks in this text, they prayed and they turned the world upside down. There's power in prayer. I've shared this story before, but Charles Haddon Spurgeon, he was a a white British preacher in the late 1800s. And he wasn't just a preacher, though. He was he was commonly known as the prince of preacher. He, he, He was a he was a prolific preacher that it's said that it's recorded that he, he preached to over 10 million people. You can hear his, the words of this prolific preacher preaching and the sounds ringing throughout the halls of one of the world's largest churches at the time, the Metropolitan Tabernacle. It's said to seat about 5,000 people. And a thousand people would just be standing, listening as he preached during a time where the word wasn't really going forward. He's a prolific preacher nonetheless. But if you cornered Charles Haddon Spurgeon, you asked him, where does all your wisdom come from? Or how are you able to preach this, these bold sermons and people get saved? How are you able to do the things that you do? He wouldn't say, well, it's because of all the books I've read. Because of my suits, I look good on stage. It's because of my voice. It's because of my personal relationship with God. He wouldn't say any of that. But you know what he would say? The boldness of my preaching and 
people being impacted by my sermons comes from what happens beneath the sanctuary. See, if you were to visit the Metropolitan Tabernacle on any Sunday where he's preaching, and you took a tour while he was preaching, and you went down into the lower parts underneath the sanctuary, what you would find is hundreds of people on their knees and their hands praying, asking God to move as he preached, asking God to save people as he preached. Hear me, family, there's power in prayer. Are we known as a people that prays? Are we devoted to prayer? I love Acts 2.42 because when I read it, I get excited because I see people that devoted themselves to four things. The apostles teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayer, and they turn the world upside down for Jesus. It excites me because this is what we yearn for here at Renewal. We simply want to be a gospel-centered church that's dedicated and devoted to Jesus. And we're begging God to move. We're begging God to do something amazing in the city of Chicago. Could you imagine with me, what could God do if we really were devoted to him and him only? What could he do in the city of Chicago? Do I need to rattle off some things? I mean, the, the murder rate going down. No corruption in politics. Should we keep on going? The poverty and, and the prosperity margin just, is just lessening. People coming together. Homes being built for people that don't have homes. Single mothers being looked out for. The adoption or foster care system being empty. Should we keep going? What could happen if Christians really devote themselves to God? Friends, this is why we need to truly Re-engage. Because when we're engaged, God moves. Things happen. Let's re-engage. Amen. Let me bring Pastor Steve up here. We're going to talk for a minute. I got a couple questions that I, I want to ask him so he can give us some more practical uh, pieces on this of how to engage. Why don't y'all welcome up? Pastor Steve. Guess we're gonna be close today, Doc. So that's all right. This is my my light skinned brother, you know. I like to say that about him, but I'm my head is him. rounder than his, Mama Roper. It is rounder than mine. <laughs> It's more perfectly. I look better than him, though. It's okay. <laughs> Thanks, baby. I know you over there cheering. It's not is, fair because his wife ain't here, yeah. though, you know. Um, so, all right, all jokes aside, me and Steve, uh, he said in the beginning, we, we've been best friends since, what, 12? And um, uh, it was a dream to plant a church, and here we are. And so I want to ask him some questions about just in the, the cultural moment that we're in right now. There's a lot going on in society um, that's tugging and pulling on us as a people, especially uh, as Christians. And so when you think of the moment that we're in right now, um, pandemic, all of that, and I, I say the word re-engagement, what, what, what's the first thing that pops into your head? 
Yeah, so the fir first thing that pops into my mind uh, when I think of uh, this cultural moment and re-engagement and all of those different things is just understanding the reality that all of the regular rhythms of our lives over the past year and a half have been disrupted. Um, and so all of the regular rhythms, so all, all of the, the ways that you started your day or the way that you got ready to go to work, uh, the things that you did with your kids, all of those different things have been disrupted. Um, and so when it comes to our own spiritual flourishing, there's also the reality that God has established certain things to be a part of the spiritual flourishing uh, of our lives that are established through rhythms. And one of the rhythms is the gathered church, gathered together to remind ourselves of who Jesus is and what he's done in our lives. Another one of those rhythms is connecting in fellowship and, and community with one another. And, uh, and so for uh, many of us, just the, the regular idea of uh, waking up and watching church service on Sunday morning has been disrupted. So we catch, I'm, 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 Pastor, I'm catching up with y'all on Wednesday. I'm going to catch up with y'all on Wednesday. And, there, and, and that's, that's great that, that you're catching up with what's going on uh, with the church. But the reality is God has established those rhythms for the sake of our own spiritual flourishing. Right, so if, right. if, if you can... Uh, and, and you're not able to make it to church, watch church on Sunday morning. Right. Um, and because God has established those rhythms for our own spiritual flourishing. And, and so it's important that we participate in that. And the truth of the matter is that regardless of what, uh, what you're doing throughout the week, uh, you are being preached to uh, a message right. or messaging from all types of different places. Some people call it marketing. I call it preaching. Uh, and it, it says, uh, here is where you'll find purpose. Right. All you got to do is go to a, a vacation to the Caribbean. That's going to change the game for you. <laughs> right. And then I, I see Matthew McConaughey driving a Lincoln and he's running, driving through the mountains. And I'm right. like, Jay, I need to get me a Lincoln. That's no, going to be, it. that's no. the <laughs> life is going to be better when I get myself a Lincoln. Right. Um, and so you have all of these different messaging, and I'm sure the ladies could talk about the different things that uh, are being proclaimed about beauty and, and, and all of those different things that are just irregularly bombarded with. And the rhythm of uh, small group on Wednesday, the rhythm of uh, church on Sunday uh, is a part of realigning ourselves to what is really true. Yeah. Uh, what is my purpose? Why am I here? What has God called me to do? And so that's one of the reasons why it's so important to uh, allow God's rhythms to be God's rhythms. Yeah. Uh, and, and when those things get disrupted in, in somebody, you're here today and you're like, man, I, Steve, Pastor Steve, I still have my, my quiet time every morning, but you're not engaged on, on Sunday mornings. I, I still have to ask the question, like, are, are you spiritually flourishing? Mm. And the answer is... It, it, it takes all of those things really right. to be spiritually flourishing. It, it takes, it takes all of those things. And so th those are, th that's some of the things that come to mind w when you ask the question that first come to mind when you ask the question about that. That's good. That's good. Uh, second question, cause you know, y'all see preachers when they get mics, we like, we like to talk. So, um, he answered a lot of it already, but when you think about uh, just, you, you, you mentioned ry rhythms, um, I just want to hear more practically what it means to really engage, be engaged right now. I think sometimes the, the cultural narrative around church or Christianity is just, hey, I'm going to go to church on Sunday, and that's something I'm going to do 
on Sunday morning, but the reality is there's six other days throughout the week. And there, I think there's some really simple things that we could do to just be engaged more as a Christian. What, what comes to mind when you think about um, some practical things that we really need to do or that would be beneficial to our flourishing? Yeah, so I was saying that all of our rhythms have been disrupted, right? And so uh, in the midst of all of our rhythms being re- disrupted and not, uh, and not having uh, connection with people the past year and a half uh, has kind of created this space where, like, yeah, I don't really got to get back to nobody if I don't want to. <laughs> like, I just, I don't really think I want to send that email back right now. I just, I don't. And so, right, right. And, and, and so what happens is, is if, uh, if the, the communication is not tied to your check at the end of the month, then I don't really have to communicate. Um, and so one of the really practical ways of being reengaged is replying to your email. Something as simple as just just being in communication with people if they're communicating to you. I think a, a, a lot of times people will say, like, if Pastor D or Pastor Steve sends an email, you know, we three-fourths of the time people will send it back. But right. if anybody affiliated with the church sends an email uh, that's not me or you uh, or maybe one of the elders, it's like one in ten. Right. Um, and so one of the really practical ways that we can do, do that is by simply being engaged in communication in responding to emails. Another thing is that, uh, man, small groups have just started back up. And for a lot of people, uh, getting into a small group, especially if you're new to community here, uh, it takes courage, right? It takes courage to go to somebody's house. It takes courage to go to somebody's backyard. It takes courage to meet people who you've never met before, all of those different things. Um, And and yet, when when you look at what what has helped us uh, in the midst of Uh, of this incredibly difficult time, it's been some of those relationships. It's been reconnecting with some of those uh, people that we were connected to. And so in in my small group, for instance, um, I'm remembering us going through uh, Zoom all last year, right? And everybody hated Zoom and was over Zoom, right? Um, And I'm, I'm thinking about a conversation my wife had with one of the other small group members sharing about uh, anxiety. And one of the things she said was oftentimes, uh, if, I can just, uh, if I can just think of people to pray for yeah. and I can get my mind off of myself, that's when I sense God sort of distill and, and dissolve the anxiety in my heart. So once I get my eyes up off of myself and onto other people, and that's just something that happened in a passing conversation with a group that I meet with over Zoom. Right. Um, and, and that was beneficial to our spiritual flourishing in that season. Um, and all of that happened over a Zoom call and being connected with people who you're in community with. And you talked about prayer and just being able to pray yeah. for one another on the group Me, Hey, this is going on. Will y'all, will y'all pray for me? When, when the rhythms of life have been disrupted, what happens over the course of time is that when those rhythms aren't reestablished, you begin to fade. Um, and God is calling us to reengage the rhythms that he's established in our lives for the sake of our own spiritual flourishing. That's good. That's good. I mentioned that word koinonia in the, in the text, fellowship, and the reality of them being able to share everything um, that they had. There's this this precedence on, on just um, their giving, you know, and this, and this is bigger than just money, but giving their time, their talent, and their treasure. But when they did do that, there's nobody in the church that wasn't taken care of. And so there are some of us that we need to re-engage on a 
financial perspective and say, I'm going to give and I'm going to trust God with that and see the church go forward. Some of us need to serve. Some of us need to get a group. What would you say to that? Yeah, one of the things, you know, we were working our way through Hebrews and one of the metaphors that just continued to come up uh, to me as I was studying to get ready to teach it uh, was when the, the author of Hebrews says that some of y'all, uh, y'all can't handle meat. You need, you need just milk. And one of the things that I thought through uh, as I now have a child of my own is that, uh, is that, man, toddlers, they can't contribute anything. They're always looking for what, what they can get. And it, it's fine for a period of time, but eventually you got to grow up. You got you to gotta participate in this thing. And so to a point that you said earlier, oftentimes when it comes to church, we approach church with a very American outlook. Like, right. what can I receive? Rather, what can I contribute? And it's when we get to that space of, now it's not about what can I get out of this. Right. And, and I, I get to that space of, of contributing to this. What can I contribute to this? That, that's when we move on to the next season of spiritual growth in our lives. Mm. Um, and, and move on to what God has called us to, a new, a, a new uh, you know, specific purpose for this season or, or whatever those things are. People talk about, I'm going to the next level or whatever. You know what the next level is? You contributing Come on, and not receiving. Um, and, and so, and what God does in your heart when, when that, when that happens, when you begin to contribute. And one of the things, like I said, the rhythms have been disrupted for, for, for some of us, that means that like, man, I gave my tithe this month, but then I missed a month and then I'm all right, I'm gonna catch up on next month, but then you never catch up on last month. And, and we, everything is disrupted. Every rhythm is disrupted. Um, and, and, and so when it comes to the things that, uh, the gifts and the talents and the abilities and the treasures, the things that God has given to us, yeah. we got to get reengaged in all of those regular rhythms for us to be able to do what God has called us to do. That's good, Doc. That's good. That's good. And with all that said, hear me, if you're in this place and you're saying, I need to get engaged, I need to re-engage Please don't hesitate to talk to one of us, talk to one of the elders here, one of the staff members. We want you to grow in this church. And again, I, I told you, it's not just about this church. It's about you individually as a Christian and your own growth and your walk with the Lord. So we want to see this church go forward. But that can't happen if we don't do the work we need to do with the Lord individually, too, and devote ourselves to him. Thanks, Steve, for coming up here, man. I want to pray for us, and then we're going to take communion together. Father, thank you so much. For your goodness. Thank you for who you are. God, you're truly an amazing God. We thank you for uh, just this time where we're able to walk through your word. God, I do pray that we would be like the church in Acts, God, um, that we would be an Acts 2 church where we devote ourselves to those four things. God, the, the apostles' teaching, our leadership, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. God, that we would see many things happen in our midst that you would be lifted up, that we wouldn't, God, but it would be about you, keeping you at the center, and we would be amazed at the work you do through us, God. Work in us individually and corporately for your glory and your glory alone. It's in Jesus' name we say these things. Amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.